0: The way I like to talk about God is using the mystical concept of Tiferet. In Kabbalah, of the 10 spherot of the 10 intersecting manifestations of divine energy or the 10 aspects of dynamism of of God in the world, the middle linking piece is Tiferet. And Tiferet, although it means beauty or wonder, it is used in Kabbalah, in my opinion, to mean balance. We're, We're basically... If we could put on our God glasses, we would see what things that look perfectly normal as complex systems. And within those complex systems, God becomes defined as the balance, the balance of the system. We are in a time where our systems are really being exposed for their weaknesses, you know, um, in all kinds of ways. And so in the home, if your home is at all like ours, it really has become a very stressful time because we're trying to do the work that we're trying to do, the school, and we're trying to do being a family, all those things are happening at the same tables. They're happening in the same spaces. The cooking is happening. The recreation is happening. So we have all these sections that are intersecting. And that's a, that's a system thrown out of whack. Number one, we recognize that we live in a system. And our goal in some ways is to find T-ferret is to bring the different pieces into a balance. And when we do that, that's what it means to be inviting God's presence. Every family system and a family can be one person. It's out of balance because we're living differently. At times it will feel uncomfortable and a lot of feelings will come up. We must work together and communicate more than ever. We must remember we are here to love and to support each other. Step one is what is the ECAR? What is the essence? What is the most important thing for my system, for our system right now? That's a question you should be asking over and over again. What is the most important thing for us right now? And so slow down, think carefully. The answer may not be what you initially think, and it could change in each moment. Right? I might think that right now the E-car is to get my kids' homework done, or the E-car is to empty the dishwasher because we're, we're backed up and I haven't done anything. The truth is, this may actually take some spiritual reflection to say, it may not be the first answer that comes to mind. So what is the most important thing for me and my system, my family, right now? Because if you can answer that question, you're probably going to be heading in the right direction of bringing balance to it. And that may mean a lot of no's, you know, it's not about the homework or right now it's not about dinner or right now it's not about showing my workplace that I'm I'm getting my work done or or whatever the things is. So how do you get to a, how do you create a context for answering the question of what is the most important thing for us right now? Uh, One way to do that is to ask, What are the most important things that I as an individual or we as a family want to create, learn, change, or take away from this unique experience once it is over? So when a system is thrown out of whack, that can be a very good thing because it can give you a chance to reconstruct it the way you want to reconstruct it. You know, we all know that probably the largest enemy of, every time we get to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you probably think the same thing we all think, I think for sure, which is, how do I overcome habit? How do I change patterns? I mean, that's the hardest thing on earth. So in a time like this, when patterns are, when the patterns are broken anyway, it's actually an opportunity to establish at least, you know, I don't want to make it too grand. I don't want to make it intimidating, but to say like, what things can we reorganize now that I want to take into the future once this is all over and then work backward from that. So what are the most important things you want to create, learn, change, or take away from this unique experience in time once it is over? And I'll be even more specific. If I realize that this is a time where I'm making memories, Right? I imagine my children and Lynn and I were all, I mean, you know, are we going to have a bumper sticker in 20 years? Where were you when the pandemic happened? Uh, you know, it's so like, how can we shape those memories intentionally from the grand to the small, which is how can we reorient it the way we're doing things for the future? And on some level, what memories do we want to take? How can we intentionally shape the memories that we are creating now? How do, so? One, so I'd say step one is the question: How do you say to yourself over and over what's the most important thing for us to be doing now? And shutting out all the Facebook and shutting out all the content. You can shut out Rob and the Dob, You can shut out it all. But everyone, I don't. For me, everyone's there. There are too many options. I mean, you know, there's reaching out to family, and there's trying to make sure my kids learn their Hebrew, and there's trying to do this, and they're trying to do that. Um, What's the most important thing we need to be doing now? And sometimes you might think the most important thing we need to be doing is um, establishing a regular eating time for dinner. But actually, the most important thing in that moment really is that someone in your house needs a hug, so that it's a question that can be revisited constantly. I have a lot I'm trying to reconstruct, but what is the Ecar in this moment? It's the most important thing in this moment? That's the only question I need to be answering. Let's go to the negative for a second. Is there tension in the home? Is, is there, is there, I would imagine there should be. If there isn't, something's wrong it's with nor- you. It's uh, right, now. I mean, it's no, it's, normal. it is not normal, right? So, um, but if there's tension, then that's normal. And one of the reasons is, and I attribute this to Lynn's counseling background, that fighting, arguing, screaming don't, it's a sign of someone negotiating distance and closeness. So it's either it could well, it's either a statement that they wanna be closer or it could be a statement that they want to establish a boundary and be farther apart, or they're tired and hungry. Um, so it's, but one, one thing that I feel like Lynn and I would love to share is that rather than seeing the tsa'aka, rather than seeing the crying out the, the, as a problem that needs to be solved, you can view it in the positive, which is it's a sign of someone wanting to be close. It's like, mommy, I'm supposed to get this done for homework. And it sounds like, oh, you know, like, but I'm also working right now. And I told you that. But in a way, they may just be saying, like, I want to be near you. It actually may not really be about homework. They might think it is. But it could just be a saying, I I want you closer. And then on the other hand, it can also be a claim of that I I need need distance. So that the fighting is, um, I'm frustrated because I thought you understood that I needed to work right now. And I need that so that to take tension as there's a boundary here and I, and the boundary, I either want to include you or I need some space and to, and to solve, and in a sense, to solve that problem. And sometimes it can be as easy as touching someone on the back if they want to be closer. And for those of us who are adults, figuring out a way to communicate really clearly, to try to understand when I'm being irritable or when I'm being Uh, trying to get my needs met, can I really communicate in terms of the distance um, and the closeness? What is it that I'm asking for? So, you know, obviously I'm working from home and I get annoyed when I'm interrupted, right? Because I feel like, don't you understand? I have an important job and uh, I've got important things to do. And I wouldn't be working in the basement if that weren't the case, you know, and I'm trying to bring in money for the family and make sure, you know, like, we can go to Costco once every three months, you know. But like, I'm not saying that. I'm really just like, yeah, you need something again, you know. Like, I'm just emoting, and I'm not really using my ability to communicate. And so, if I understand that my own frustration is coming from a place of trying to figure out where is it, I'm frustrated because I I want some space and I feel my space is important, or I want help. I like. I don't want to be the only one clearing away the dishes. Like I don't want to be the only one in charge of work and and family and blah 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 and calling the relatives and check and making sure, you know, the the generation above is okay as well. So that if I can know that that's part of what my frustration is, I should be able to use an I statement to communicate. I should be able to say to say something like I'm sorry that I'm a little frustrated. I think what it's coming where it's coming from is and I know you know this, but like I feel that I'm trying to show how much I love you all by keeping my job going. And I'm trying to make sure the family has a foundation by making sure I'm up to par in my work life. And so like I'm trying to contribute that way and I feel like you're taking it as a threat to the closeness of the family, like, like somehow I'm da da ing And, um, and, and so like, if I can just put it in my eye language that this is actually something I'm trying to do for the family. And I feel like it's being perceived as something I'm taking away from the family. Mm. I think that would help the family get back into balance. That at least they know where I'm coming from. It's a matter of, I know we all know everything's a matter of communication. The hard part's figuring out how do we communicate it. So I'm trying to give you an example of the distance and the closeness. How, can we con- how do we communicate that? So to use I statements and to try to show how we're trying to give even in those other things. One of the things that Lynn's pointed out to me, and I think she's right, is when one is claiming distance, then how do you communicate when that distance will end? so that other people know how to respect the boundary. So I don't know about you, but like right now, I basically have my coffee and I go to my desk and I start on a hundred emails I'm behind on. But like I've never communicated now that I'm sharing a work in a home space with when am I available? Is there anything I'm planning to do for the family during the day? Am I gonna live, listen to my kids read their Hebrew, Hebrew and help them with their Hebrew homework? Like I've never communicated any of that. So one thing is that when, when one's claiming a space, to also communicate the the boundaries of that space so that other people have the right expectations. Fights are distance regulators. They are there because someone either wants you more in or someone wants you more out. And when we recognize that, it's easier to communicate what is it we're fighting for and and then negotiating those boundaries. Recognize that someone who is acting angry probably needs love or help. And someone to listen to them, or they need personal time and space. Communicate nonviolently. If you know Marshall Rosenberg's work, it's consider the words you use and think about the hidden relational message of your words and actions. For example, if you walk away leaving a spouse to handle things with the kids, it may become personal even if you are just running off to take the trash out. So you have to you should say, I have to do this right now, I have to take the trash out right now, but I will be right back in 15 minutes to help. So that you're setting expectations of, about when you will be available. The idea of the relational message is that in our body language, in the words that we choose and in the way we express content, we can indicate that someone else is lower than we are rather than equal. So part of what happens in these difficult times is everything's important. I mean, you know, you're important, I'm important, getting the work done is important, the community is important, our parents are important. The cat. the cat is important. I mean, you know, like, yeah, don't don't even tell me about the blood in the stool. Like I can't handle one more thing. You know, like the cat's important too. You know, like so that everything's important. And so when we communicate in stressful times like this, Often, even if we're just saying, I'm taking the trash out, we communicate it in a way that makes the other person feel, we're really saying, what you're doing is less important than what I am doing. And we really have to redouble our efforts to not allow that message to happen, to really value what everybody is contributing equally and experiencing, because we're all in it together, and, and all of us are figuring it out. When we're setting a boundary, do it lovingly with each other. So again it's a communication thing. You can say I need a break. And what we're saying is that see if you can set a time limit on that because otherwise it sets confusion in, in the other. I need a break. I'm thinking it's probably going to be 15 minutes. Or I need to move. I, I need I, I my body needs to do something right now. I need a half an hour to do that. To take a walk, to do yoga, to do a tape. Can you help me? Um, see, what if you're asking for someone to help you accomplish the thing you need, the relational message is that you're asking for their help and love. Like, it's not like, I need this because I'm important. You're saying, I really need this. Can you help me get there? And, and that makes people want to help. And it's because it's a sign of love. Not everyone's body is made like Rabbi Cain's, to, uh, like Nadav's, to sit at a desk and contemplate the universe for 16 hours a day so like some people's bodies are made to move around and in this time period we have to figure out a way to let those bodies do that to let little kids bodies do that to let our bodies do that and so how do we honor we want to honor that in, in in those we're sharing these spaces with one thing that uh another tip is i think it's really important that everyone in the home has a space that's their space only so we had to, like, we, I realized that Ziva didn't really have a space in our family. And, you know, I moved a desk into the dining room and it's Ziva's desk, actually it's Ziva and Lynn's desk, because we haven't gotten Lynn a space yet. Um, and that's a to-do. That's the bathtub. It's the bathtub. <laughs> Should be. You know, and Marav like has like a corner and it doesn't sound like much, but it doesn't have to be big. Like that everyone has a space that's just their space. And it, like I said, what, Marl has this like corner between the corner of the room and the sofa. And Ziva's got this like little kid's desk next to the dining room table. And it looks weird, but I think it's really been healing. That it, so it doesn't have to be a big space. But, and, and Lynn's been sort of the odd person out because the home was her space, right? <laughs> we used to all get out of the home at 8 a.m. And she had the home to her and the cat. And so now, like we're all in her space. So I want to give a special shout out to spouses who basically either work from home or who are full-time uh, mothers or fathers or caregivers. I feel like there's this is almost especially hard on them. Like we think it's hard on the rest of us who move our offices home, but for people who are already working from home or living from home or caretaking from home, we just took away their space. So all the more important that they get a space. Like that, they get a specific space, and it could be a desk, it could be a table, it could be whatever. But th- th- they decide on their space, they get it, and only their stuff gets to go there. They, you know, only they get to sit in that chair, whatever it is. Only they get to use that phone charger. Who knows? But that's their space. So I mean, I covered uh, m- many of the things I wanted to cover, and, and uh, I was trying to be practical in terms of the making memories. That goes back to the e car when you're saying. What is the most important thing in this time? I, some of those things, have Jewish time is carving out not a ton of time, but specific times to make those memories can be very helpful. I don't know about you, but I've lost all track of time. I I, I need to put clocks up all over the place. I have no idea what time it is. I'm constantly missing my Zoom meetings. It, it's It's so confusing. I'm trying to set alarms on my phone all the time to remind me it's actually... I mean, and we were making dinner last night, I think, at eleven PM. I had no idea. And uh <laughs> so w- one of the things about it is to to pick you know I don't know if you have to carve up your schedule minute by minute, but certain times have become important to us. So and now habdullah is a crucial time for us. Like we love Haftallah. We we turn out all the lights, we have our candle lit, we're we're on Zoom. And I mean it's fifth. it's twelve minutes, but we're making I know we're making memories with Habdallah, And it it defines the start of the week for us. I do think things like movie time. I don't know about you, but like with us, ever since we had kids, even before we had kids, who had had the energy for a two-hour movie? You know, everything's in 10-minute segments today. I wanted to show them one of my favorite movies, which is The Horse Whisperer. It's a -a two-and-a-half-hour movie. And yes, Scarlett Johansson was an amazing child actress, but still two-and-a-half hours. We watched the whole thing. And it was a real, like, I think it was a memory. I mean, we, we, we all cried a lot. And Ziva cried for another hour and a half because-, because It was a sad movie. It was, because at the end, she, well, she doesn't choose Robert Redford. And uh, <laughs> Ziva just felt that was wrong. Robert Redford loved her. And she, so that was just where Ziva came down on it. I tried to tell you, she went back to her husband and her daughter and kept her family together. Ziva felt that was the wrong choice. Um, but we all related to a movie I love. I don't think they ever would have watched it if it wasn't for these extraordinary times. We made a movie time. And they knew it was important. You know, that was partly that we're in a chaotic time. What's the most important? What, what do we need? We need togetherness. We need to make memories. I really think in the reconstructing of the balance in our homes, that in this, this time period is inviting us to be more self-reliant. And I think those skills that come from the end of exodus that are very little house on the prairie are the right things to be focusing on now. So, for example, right, I mean, we've been baking bread, but but, but I guess what I want to say is that, but it goes back to the tension. Instead of one person working to clean up the house for 40 minutes, to have four people spending 10 minutes all working together. we we, we've refocused on the fact that when you're living in a small space, it's getting messy and there's so much to do. And none of us are getting takeout. We're all cooking. And the whole thing is challenging and it's so dirty and all this stuff that we have to clean together. So the girls are doing laundry with me. They're folding laundry. I don't just leave it to Lynn to cook dinner. Even, whereas before, it might have made sense. I'm at work, she's at home, she'll cook dinner. It doesn't make sense anymore. The home's too chaotic to like, leave it to the old pattern. That everyone's cleaning at the same time. I think that that is an incredibly helpful way to get realign the energies at this time. That at the same time we're cooking, at the same time we're cleaning, it's not that you're doing your homework, so I'm setting the table. I think those patterns worked before, but now those patterns can be broken. And we can get back to the pattern where the things that relate to making a home together are things that we do together. And, you know, the cooking, the cleaning, the organizing. And I think it reduces the stress on individuals. And and finally, silliness, total silliness. So that putting a lot of my eggs in the basket of the second Seder, it is going to be both touching and deep, but hilarious and fun. The second Seder for the synagogue. Rather than having an hour online sort of connecting with relatives through Zoom or or FaceTime, having short segments that are funny. So that, you know, like if, if you really need a good one for all ages, I don't know where Lynn got this, but this is our biggest hit. Take a cell phone. So have someone lie down and their head is upside down. Here, where's my phone? And it takes about one minute. So we sing songs, get googly eyes, you, or, and, we, and we sing songs and make little videos of us singing in our upside down things. I was thinking more in longer time periods before of connecting. I'm realizing shorter and like fun, hilarious. I'm going to show you a little funny thing I did. Lynn's reminding me to read this one. Express love and gratitude more than you usually do and get to know the people you live with once again because this is a gift of time we have been given. To really love and help the people we are with through action and through words. It's also a time to express love, care, and gratitude virtually to people we connect with virtually. You have to say out loud, what, what why am I tense? What am I really trying to say? How am I trying to give? What is it that I need? And to also say what I'm grateful for, because it, it dispels it, it dispels the resentment and it communicates what's behind all resentment, which is I'm trying to do my best. And I'm, of course, I know you're important. I shouldn't have to say that you're important. I shouldn't have to say that, you know, helping you is important to me. But actually, in this time period, saying out loud what our blessings are and our gratitude to each other is, that's exactly the act of love that rebalances the
1: system. I want to share something I read in the Times of Israel today. So other people may have seen it as well. But it's Natan Sharansky's tips <clears throat> for how he survived solitary confinement there's one particular tip I found very meaningful. He said he didn't have any control about how long it was going to be. He never knew from day to day how much longer it was going to be. So he couldn't make any plans based on in, in, in a month I'm going to do this, that things that are completely out of my control, but he focused on things that were entirely in his control. He could tell himself, I'm going to read a book, uh, in the next two days, or I'm gonna study a language for a certain amount of time. And he was able to play uh, chess in his mind and he played thousands of games. He could visualize a chessboard, but I couldn't do that. But, the, but I thought it was a great takeaway for this time about um, setting small goals that are entirely under one's own control. And giving up the idea of having control about how long is this going to go on? Because we don't know.
0: This could be really a time, especially for people with kids, and I'm sorry to throw that out there, but it's a tense time, to have a family meeting. And so the way family meetings work, they were really popular in like the Brady Bunch era. And today people poo-poo it, but what it means is you have a notebook somewhere prominent like the kitchen or the dining room. Keep it prominent. and. When problems arise, anyone in the family, any, and so you, you don't have to have kids, you, you write it down in the book. And you have a set time, um, usually it's once a week, maybe in this time period it's more, but let's just say there's one set time one, per week, 7 p.m. on Thursday night, or it could be Shabbat, where you sit around the table, and you open that book, and you read some of the problems, and everyone is supposed to solve the problems together and everyone's view is okay. And so that it is really sort of dispassionate. It's, it's not, it's, it's not a yell catharsis session. It's, it's very intellectual. It's, it's constructive problem solving. So it could just be, I mean, I remember when I grew up, we have one, we have one car and the other cars in the shop forever. How are we going to make this work? And it doesn't matter if you're seven years old, you can contribute to the conversation. Or it could be that the dining room table is a pigsty because it's everyone's work and we're trying to eat at it and blah, 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 blah. And then all you have to do is write it in the notebook at some point. You don't have to solve it right then. And then Thursday night at 7 o'clock comes. Everyone sits around. What's in the book? Dining room table problems. It's never clear. We can never eat at it, or we have to, you know, we have the food getting cold and then we're clearing the table and then people don't want to come because they're finishing their homework or they're in the middle of a Skype call or something. What can we do about this? And everyone gets to, you basically decide together. You you talk it out like a speech and debate club. Well, can we try this? Can we try that? What would this work? And then whatever you come to, you do make a provisional plan and you try that solution. And if it doesn't work, You can go right back into the book. We need to revisit this. But, you know, so I'm always nervous because people are like, really? You're really going to do that? Oh, God, you know. But this is the perfect time. It's perfect time for for the family meeting. Because there's the emotional part we talked about, but that gives you time to use the analytic part. Remember, there is beauty in imperfection. In fact, nothing is perfect or will ever be. And we, we must learn to accept and appreciate this imperfection. Do not expect yourself, others, or the situation to be perfect. We're all learning. You know, I, I feel like i um, constantly interrupted. And I know that Lynn feels constantly interrupted. I feel like I'm failing as a dad. I feel like I'm failing as a rabbi. And, you know, but the other thing is I'm also, I'm also welcoming the imperfection. I mean, I just had a staff meeting where I said, you know, a week ago, I thought it would be a lot of Zoom teaching. And now I think maybe that's just a burden to people. Maybe we should just be getting together and playing Mahjong by Zoom, or, or maybe, maybe it's 15 minutes a night. Maybe it's something short and sweet, or maybe it's not Zoom at all. I'm, I, I, I'm willing to own that there's no way to be perfect at this time, and I'm willing to be flexible and change from day to day what I think the answer to that question is. What's the most important thing for Beth Israel right now? I'm willing to change my answer day to day, but as long as I ask the question. When things are thrown into this kind of imbalance, there, there's no way to... to do it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no way to, you know, like we, all we can do is increase our communication and be flexible. I mean, and that goes back to what Dan said, which is what I know I'm capable of doing in the next 48 hours may be different in a week. So that I'll answer that question for now. You know, I mean, I do feel we live in a crazy modern society where everyone's so busy and our, our time is being demanded all the time. And, you know i yes i don't want to miss, i i don't know if i'd love little house on the prairie if i had to live it but the truth is like i definitely think we should be going back in that direction so i agree we we view this time as a gift we, we have tension in the home i mean we've shared that we're looking for ways to solve it we view it as an opportunity to accept our own imperfection and to reprioritize what are the most important things to us, and to actually to learn how to communicate better how grateful we are for each other, what we need, and how we value each other. I, I think this is a gift. I, I was talking to him, he's got, you know, He's got an 11th grader. And I said, oh, my God, is she doing her? She stays up to 3 a.m. to do her six AP courses. And I said, oh, is she still doing that? And he said, no. Like, the school district's still trying to figure out what they need to do. And I said, thank God. Thank God that 16-year-old is getting some sleep and you know baking some bread and reading a book and walking the dog. Like It's time to slow things down. It's a gift. And, and we're gonna see as things get worse that hopefully we'll also be given the gift of trying to tell people how much we love them and support them when people so simultaneously will be experiencing loss and crisis. And if we just are mindful, like you all are, of doing our best we'll, then we'll do we'll, we'll do well enough